have a wedding coming up this Wednesday at 6 p.m. and the couple, these two men, um, one of whom I've known since he was a boy, they wanted to get married then on the autumnal equinox because they feel like in their relationship they have found balance and that for them symbolizes balance at this time of year when the nights and the days are equal in length for just a moment. And it got me thinking, and I love, as a minister, getting to stand with couples when they get married. And I love getting to say, I now pronounce that you are married, to be with them and have the responsibility to say that out loud, that these two have now done something to become one couple. But you know what? I don't see that moment, the pronouncement, as the key moment in a wedding. And I wonder what you think the key moment is. You may be thinking about the kiss that follows the pronouncement, and that is a wonderful and oft photographed moment, and one thing a photographer taught me a few years ago was at that moment to step to the side so I'm not photobombing the couple as they're kissing. (laughs) But I don't think that's the key moment in a wedding or in in, in a ceremony either. When I meet with couples... I pretty much always tell them that I love the fact that they want to get married, whether it's a small or a large wedding, with some family and friends gathered around them because there is such power in standing before people that you love and care about and making promises to one another. And so it's no wonder that some people get teary at that moment or their voice cracks or their knees are knocking together because it's a big deal, isn't it? Making promises that you are intending to keep, that others are hoping and expecting that you're going to keep, promises that are meant to last a lifetime. I remember a long time ago now, walking down the street in Washington, D.C., a few days before my own wedding and talking to my best friend and saying, I don't know, I have this sense that I'm about to embark on something that's going to fundamentally change me, and I have no idea what that's going to be like. But I can anticipate that something was about to change, and so... On the following Saturday, yes, I was a certain shade of green as I walked into the church with my brother by my side. I was quaking a little bit, and I should have been, right? Because that moment was the start of this journey that I knew was going to change me, and I had no idea how, and that I am just ever grateful for and Hope will continue until the day that I die. And what about you? What promises or commitments have you made? 
that have changed you for the better. As that song from Wicked goes, that have, I have been changed for good. We humans, we are promise-making creatures. And we are also promise-breaking creatures. We make mistakes. We let ourselves and others down. Because we're human. We mess up sometimes. But isn't that why we need promises? Because they remind us of how we want to be. Of how we intend to act of what we owe one another. We're here at the start of a new church year after a long period of separation. And so it's good to take a moment to talk about and reflect on how we want to be in relation with one another. Every Sunday, we say these words at the start of the service that we call our unison affirmation. And I wonder if you'll say them again with me now. And maybe we go a bit more slowly so we actually hear and savor those words that are so lovely. Love is the doctrine of this church. The quest for truth is its sacrament and service is its prayer. This is our great covenant to dwell together in peace, to seek the truth in love and to help one another to the end that all souls shall grow in harmony with the divine. Thank you. This is our great covenant. Did you notice that line? Some version of this covenant is said aloud in a lot of UU congregations when they gather for worship. And if you looked in the back of the gray hymnal, if you turned to number 473 in the back, you would find a slightly shorter version of this covenant. There are multiple versions that have been adapted over the years. And the one you'll find in the back of our hymnal at 473 It's attributed to a man named Reverend James Vila Blake. And I knew that. And then one day I was quite surprised. I was standing in the back of our sanctuary and I was looking at that metal plaque back there that our beloved former minister, Reverend Janet Bowering, rescued from the old Unitarian church, which was down the street before it was demolished a few years ago. The church had been sold first to the Episcopalians and then to the Armenians, and at some point in time, Jan went to the minister or the priest there and said, can we have that plaque? And it lists all the ministers of the first parish, which was the Unitarian side, going back to John Ward until they left that building and came over here. And I was surprised in looking through that long list of ministers to see that, what do you know? James Vila Blake, the author of the covenant that we say every Sunday, he served here in Haverhill on the Unitarian side back just two years from 1867 to 1869. And then a little less than 100 years later, the Unitarians, Josh Goulet could tell you more about this because he researched it. They finally decided to, they'd already sold their building to come over and join the Universalists and 
We've been here together ever since. Covenant is a big and maybe a little more complicated religious word for a promise that people make to one another. And our understanding of covenant comes from the Jewish tradition. And there are numerous places in the Hebrew Bible where God makes a covenant with the people of Israel. There's one in the book of the prophet Ezekiel that I am particularly fond of. In it, God says, A new heart I will give you, and a new spirit I will put within you, and I will remove from your body your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit within you, and you shall be my people, and I shall be your God. Covenant is also central to our congregational tradition. Way back in 1648, Puritans here in Massachusetts wrote up a document that they called the Cambridge Platform because they wrote it in Cambridge. And it describes the way churches were going to be organized back then. The platform calls a congregational church a company of saints by calling, united into one body by a holy covenant for the public worship of God and the mutual edification of one another in the fellowship of the Lord Jesus. Their vision that we still use today that still informs how we are as a congregational church Their vision was that you belong to a church not because you live in a particular place or parish, but because you feel called to join it. That we agree to come together as a congregation for worship, for fellowship and service. The Cambridge Cambridge Platform also says that we are in relation with our sibling congregations in other towns and across our nation and around the world. And you know other churches, some of you have spent plenty of time in them, have different ways of organizing themselves. Some with bishops and priests, some with elders. And in those churches, sometimes those clergy have a lot more power than clergy do in our tradition. Don't get me wrong, I have enough power and enough responsibility here. But I wonder if you know and if you think about this day to day that in this congregational tradition that we are part of, the power, the big stuff really rests with you. Do you know that? You here in this congregation 13 something years ago You voted to call me as your minister. And you could vote to send me packing if you wanted to. You set the budget every year and you elect your leaders and you feel free to let your leaders know how we are doing, don't you? And this is good. We had a board retreat a week ago and there was such good energy and ideas in our conversation about how we are going to move into this new church year in this time that is both uncertain and hopeful. And I think this is one of the great strengths of the congregational tradition. 
that we want everyone to have a voice. We do not think that a top-down church where only a couple of people are the deciders, we don't think that leads to the best kind of governance or the best kind of culture or the best kind of world. Our church is both covenantal. We come here freely and what holds us together is the promises that we make to one another. And we're also congregational. You, the people of the church, the congregation, you get to make the biggest decisions. I don't think it would be a bestseller or anything, but I'm imagining a bumper sticker. Covenantal, in this together. Congregational, the people have the power. Rabbi Jonathan Sachs says that covenant gets us to think about the common good, the good of all of us together. Each year, our new board of trustees and our staff, we enter into a covenant together of how we want to be in relationship. And we print it out and we all sign our names to it. And this act of signing our names and agreeing to this covenant and reading it out loud together it informs how we actually are in relation with one another. And about 10 years ago, a group of leaders here realized that we would benefit from a more thorough and current articulation of how we want to be in relationship as a congregation. It took a number of meetings, a lot of conversation, some editing, some more reworking, Joanna was reminding me this morning that she was part of that work, and she could tell you more about that too. And then we brought it to the annual meeting in June of 2012, and it was accepted, ratified, adopted by our annual meeting, which is the Congregational Church in Action. That committee couldn't just say, this is our new covenant. You, the congregation, needed to affirm that. It's a beautiful covenant, a bit longer and maybe a little less poetic than our unison affirmation, but we probably should bring it out and say it together more often than we do. And we should keep it before us. We used to have a copy of it up on the wall. I don't know what happened to that, but we need another one of those. So we keep it before us in our work and in our reflecting about how we want to be together as a community. So you have it, in case you haven't memorized it yet. There's a copy in our order of service, in your order of service today. Maybe it would look good on your refrigerator, or it could be a handy bookmark. After so much separation over these last 18 months, it is a good time to remember, isn't it, that we are in this together, that we have chosen this faith freely and that we have commitments and responsibilities to one another. And isn't it good that we do? On the shadow side, you know that part of being in relationship and being human is that each of us, we mess things up sometimes, don't we? We make mistakes, we disappoint those we care about, Maybe we even hurt those we love. And when this happens, what do you do? Do you run away because you've been hurt or because you've hurt somebody else and cut off the relationship and 
even though there's a temptation to do that, it, it's not healthy and it's not good. And you never, when you have a cutoff in a relationship, then there's never any healing or reconciliation. You don't have the joy and comfort of that. Our covenant tells us very clearly that what we do is that we take the risk of being truthful with one another. We deal directly and openly with one another. And we use compassion and kindness as our guides. We listen for another's truth even and especially when we find it hard to hear. And we accept responsibility for our own actions. If we mess up, we apologize and we take steps to make things right. It's not that complicated, but it's certainly a lesson that our wider world needs to learn and practice more, right? So I wonder if you will join now with me and Joanna in saying aloud our congregational covenant. I want to invite you to rise as you're able and say these words of how we intend to be in community together. The parts for you to say, they're the ones printed in italics, and I'll say the several lines that are in plain text. We strive to be a beloved spiritual community which affirms that love is the doctrine of this church. Therefore, we enter into this covenant. We honor our diversity. We cherish compassion and kindness. We value respect. We value accountability. As we seek to understand our interconnections, we celebrate the strength we hold as individuals and collectively as a beloved community to build the common good. Now, I'm almost done here, so if you all who are standing will remain standing. And I want to invite you to take a minute and just look around at your church family, those who are here with us today, and maybe you can call into your memory others who are not here, and see these faces that some of us have not been able to see for a long time. And I want to remind you as you're doing this that we each have more strength and more power and more influence than we know. In our closely connected world, we are going to impact others for good or for ill. And the stakes are high, aren't they? 
As the poet says, it is important that awake people be awake. The darkness around us is deep. And something I love about you is that you are people who are awake. And we are here in this together. And isn't it wonderful that we are? So let's keep on being this welcoming and caring church community. Let's keep on moving forward, making our way home toward that land of freedom and justice, toward that land where we're bound. Amen.